This is Saya. Hey, it's Carol. This is Tiffany. It's Nicole. And this is what keeps us together. Basically the group chat in your head. Living rent free. <laughs> All right, y'all. So this week we are tapping into um, the hit show Euphoria on HBO. Oh, Jesus. There are lots of things to discuss. So our cultural reference this week is from R29 Unbothered. And it says, millennials, we're talking to you. It's okay that teen shows like Euphoria make us feel more like a concerned auntie than a relatable viewer. It's okay that that the Degrassi reboot, Jesus Christ, makes you feel like they're messing with the classic. However, and we say this with love, it might be time to admit that teen shows just aren't your business anymore. Mm. Or maybe it's just time for us... Just time for us a relate to relate to these shows. That is not me. This is the caption <laughs> to these shows in a new way. I'm still watching all these shows at my big age, but rather than simply identifying with the characters, I'm now concerned about them, wishing that the adults in the room would do something, anything. In I kimono. Excuse me. That. All right, y'all. So, how you feel? How's it make you feel? <laughs> I definitely feel like. I resonate with that, but I don't know that that's new. Mm. Okay. Like, I feel like this show kind of reminds me of, um, oh, shoot. What was this show um, that they were, like, warning people about in schools? And it was, like... Oh, the... um, the 21-something letters, right? Or... uh, 13 13 13 Reasons Reasons Why. why. Good boy. Yeah. Yeah, It definitely reminds me of that show in the sense of... I was concerned then, and that was like probably five years ago. <laughs> I don't know that so I would like accepting your aunties. Um, just, I just feel like I, these kids wild, and they doing shit I was never doing. <laughs> no, like for me, for that, Thirteen Reasons Why feels a little bit more like the target audience is teens and kids. Yes, where Euphoria feels like while the main characters are kids, I don't know their tar- yeah, it's an adult show. I don't know the main target. It definitely is does high not schoolers. feel high school. I hope because- not. <laughs> As a concerned auntie, I felt like a concerned auntie. Like after the first episode, I was googling these characters to, just to confirm that they were Did actually you adults. over children. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> no, ma'am. I'm cautious. <laughs> no, ma'am. No, ma'am. Just to make sure I was not watching some type of kitty porn. This was it. Made it bothered my whole heart. But mm. then I thought about it. And I was like, well. I guess it's kind of like what high school was like when I, I mean, not for me. I feel like we have conversations and different high school experiences. Wait a minute. We do have, because I went to a high school that rhymes with Langley Air Force Base. Mm -mm. And not me participating in these things, but being the local confidant, people tell me things. I'm like, hmm. And I could definitely see this show in the high school I went to that rhyme with Langley Air Force Base. <laughs> I feel 
like even TikTok like makes it seem like the show is over the top in terms of like how it represents high school because that whole trend of like people being like how they actually get dressed for school and then they're like, where's your uniform? Yeah. And then they come back in yes. and they're like, euphoria high school uniform. It's like yeah. they go into the club. Yes. Because that's my well, realization. Some, yeah. <laughs> some of the clothes, not necessarily, but then... Like Maddie's whole character. Yeah. Mm. Yes, for sure. <laughs> and the other girl, Maddie's best friend. Cass. Cass. Oh, Cass. Cassie. Yeah, Maddie and Cassie. Oh. Yeah. Um, I remember the first time I saw it, I remember texting my niece like, um, so... <laughs> I feel like we should have a conversation. <laughs> concerned know. auntie, literally. Yes, like, yes. literally concerned auntie. Because I was like, I don't know if high school is like this for you, for real, but oh my God, if it is, like, this is a lot yes. to digest. But did you have, did you feel the need to have the same conversation with her about 13 Reasons Why? Um, I remember watching a lot of those episodes with her, so we were talking about it mm-hmm. as it was airing. Okay. Um, so, I and I think this episode, or this show also is a good conversation starter. Mm-hmm. Like, if I was, um, well, I am a parent, but whenever my child is old enough to watch these kind of shows, I feel like I would like to have it, watch it with him, so that he does have questions. Like, I remember um, one of the episodes was talking about STDs and lesbians, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like, if... I remember a question came up, like, can lesbians get the same STDs that, like, heterosexual couples? Mm-hmm. And, like, you, and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, this is actually, a, I'm glad I'm watching this with someone younger so that we can have a conversation. If I don't know, like, let's look it up. Let's right. see, you know, let's find some real, yeah. reputable websites. Right. Something with Chris, <laughs> not Josh yes. Rogan. Yeah, like, not Instagram in the shade room telling us about, you know, but, like, something real and, like, talking about these things through. But, like, otherwise, I think she, she was, like, this is... We're not doing all of that um, in high school, but this is a representation of some things yeah. that are happening right. with, mm-hmm. with kids these days that we probably didn't experience. At all. <laughs> At all. It, the amount of sex <laughs> in this entire, like... Yeah, and like and good in sex the house, too. What, uh, n- what did they, you say? Like, they seem like they're having good sex. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is not the type of sex I would expect. It's also... But the whole scene, I just remember from season one, the whole scene where Maddie was like, she studies porn, not because it gets her <laughs> off, but because she's trying to figure out like what men expect. Yes. I was like, wow. That's kind of real. Yeah. Very real. But it's 16? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's what the show is trying to do. I guess. We've watched... <laughs> rewatched um the fir- first episode and um at the end uh Zendaya uh who's playing Rue um discusses how they wanted to make even if these experiences weren't with like just one person in one community they have happened in some way shape or form mm-hmm. and they are trying to build empathy into the characters that that may have happened to in one way shape or form so it is a lot but it is all things that are possible or have happened. But I feel like that's also what makes it seem like shocking because it is like, if it's an array of stories that have happened to an array of people and we're only seeing it play out in 10 people over two seasons. In one school. (laughs) Yeah, like what are y'all doing? (laughs) Where are your parents? Because I do ask that at least twice an episode. But also, why are your parents next door? 
why you're doing oh, all this well, shit. Cassie's mom is wild because oh, yeah. she is like the level of enablement is like, ma'am, are you okay? Yeah. Cassie's mom, she's Nate's not. parents, you when he tell. was upstairs sleeping with Cassie and they heard it. Yeah, and they're like, wow, like, seems like he's getting it in. Okay, like, but that's interesting because the other show that touches on that is um, Sex in the City with Miranda and her okay. side. Yes. She's like, I don't want to make him feel shamed. And I was like, okay, but I also don't want to hear your cheeks getting clapped in my house. <laughs> 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 yeah, I feel like there's a safe level of shame. <laughs> Yeah, or at least respect and yeah. I don't know what that blend is but there needs to be a middle ground right? yeah like yeah I I don't think there is a say that, what, I mean what middle yeah I don't know there's a middle yeah. ground like middle ground is okay. that no okay this needs to be a pod episode <laughs> of itself because I have asked, I've had this very conversation with Patrick like okay if we don't want our child to feel shamed about having sex and we don't want them having sex in like someone else's house or like in cars in random places like but I feel What's like the that's answer? the experience. Have it in a car. Up. But see, but now you gatekeeping because you had to do it. You feel like <laughs> yeah. no, no, I'm not gatekeeping. I'm like, like <laughs> first of all. Clank, clank you, don't, that gate. you don't know what skills you have until mm-hmm. you have car sex. Okay. Oh. This took a turn. I don't, I don't know if I, I was wanting my shit child to like realize how sexually they experienced they can be. Stop! Just do something else. I don't Nicole. know how to do anything else. Nicole. Yes, you do. And I believe you because Lord Jesus, no. I'm just saying, I feel like everybody needs to experience that at least once. But, but at 16? No. And go not, to jail? And then being labeled as a sex predator possibly for being naked? Not at that age. I'm saying in general. Okay, but we in our 30s now. So, you like what? Sex in car? Uh, no. Exactly. <laughs> so there is really a window in which it's happening, and it's because you don't have any other place right. to go. Right. Exactly. You're young. <laughs> You're young. Okay, let's just move on. Okay, but no. Okay, so where this ties in? Um, drinking alcohol. Let's just say drinking alcohol. Some there are some parents that feel like I'd rather you drink with me. Then you go behind my back and try to drink, get too drunk or take, get take, you know what I'm saying? Like get mm-hmm. taken advantage of or be in situations and experience that you shouldn't been, you know? So I, I mean, I get that to so a degree. I get that. But then yeah. there's also the other side of it where then what you're really doing is creating an opportunity where they may not have had that opportunity in other places. So you're just assuming that you're taking a problem away, but maybe you're actually presenting the problem. True. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Like, there's an assumption that if you don't drink here, then you'll be drinking elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But if they wouldn't be drinking elsewhere, if, if my friends know that this it. is the house that we can drink at, you you are now the problem gotcha. instead of alleviating a problem. I got you. See, I feel for whatever reason, like, you drinking with your, I don't know, 18-year-old feels less offensive to me than my 18-year-old having sex in the room next to mine. Um, but I also think it's very weird that they're allowing other children other children to be drinking in the house. Like, I feel like you allowing your child to have a glass of wine with dinner is one thing than you being the party house right. where everyone comes. Because that scene Because you're going to buy alcohol for everyone like that. Cassie puked in the pool and her mom's dragging her out. Right. Like, yeah. sis. Mm-hmm. Is this <laughs> like, where you saw this whole yes, thing going? At what yeah. point do you question whether or not you're doing this right? Yeah, like, that's a lot. That's a, that, to me, that was a lot. But it, again, uh, that feels less offensive. <laughs> Than kids having an orgy in my basement. I feel like is it an orgy or is it consensual? It is consensual sex, but it is also a very intimate act that usually happens. How a lot of people perform sex is with just two people, and it just being them, and there being no audience to it, really, right? Mm -hmm. And so, 
that is a large majority of what people do, but there are other people who don't do that. So therein lies, like, of course, you're not sharing with your child that you don't, you don't want them to hear, but maybe they do hear. I mean, at a certain point, if you're sharing a wall of your kid, you can't tell me he, you're, you're thinking it's just a very intimate act that has only happened between two people is now interfering with. Yeah, but I yeah, but I'm wrong. And I'm not saying that that's but, not it. I'm just saying from the standpoint of where people may feel like it is, to Carol's point, it is a more intrusive situation uh, to have to be hearing sex on the other side of the, of, of the wall, Whoops. right? Which uh, an act which should be private, or you guys at least think it's being private, but it may not be. I'm saying that to say, but there's other countries that don't have uh, the minimum drinking age is like 18, 18 yeah. or something like that. So, and there, even before then, those kids are having wine with their parents and having you know yeah, at dinner at a young and age. It, that, right so it's it's a it's a cultural thing too we can't some of us can't be doing some of this and others not and expecting it to be picked up like either we're going to make a hard line at 21 because i just feel like after that you're you are making you have that hard decision of like are you enabling the problem or are you really being there as a advocate to for your child in the way in which you think you're, yeah. you're being I don't know. A lot of these experiences and things that pop up in the show are things that I'm like, I didn't see some of these things until college, or at least like. Yeah, a lot of these things. All of them. Most of them. Some of them until after college. Mm, To be fair, yes. Yeah, like, um, I know we're going to get to say, like, all the drug use. I, one, where are you guys getting this money from? One, number one, like, how are you affording? Yeah, who are you getting it from? How did you meet this person? I, I don't know about the drug use because I vividly remember when we were rehearsing for graduation. Hmm? Yeah, yes. I don't know where this is going. At my school, someone in the same class as I, graduating and on their way out the door for rehearsal, undercover police were carting him off because of opioids and a couple of other things. Is your homeboy? No, because I was trying to get his graduation tickets. Because my family's too big and I needed more tickets. Oh, you're like, since you're going to jail, let me go. <laughs> since you ain't going to be there. Let me, Wait, let me. uncuff his left hand so he can hand me the tickets. Can you reach in his pocket and just... <laughs> hand me those real quick? That's, that's got to be evidence? Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we cooled it. Never mind. But I'm putting nothing on your books, though. But, <laughs> right. I have five. <laughs> no, I don't even have that. At all. At all. But no, like the drugs, I definitely saw that being... Mm being used That's the, and therein lies what I think is a, um, it's a cultural difference it's a socio-economical mm-hmm. difference just because you were around kids who had access to be able to get things and to not be you know depending on where you're at some places like you know people are smoking weed or something like that but it's hidden a little bit more and everyone else doesn't see it because of the simple fact uh, it Weed is seen as something that people can get uh, can get in trouble for. Kids can get in trouble for. Whereas they're not looking for kids in a higher up bracket to really be doing a whole bunch of other stuff past maybe smoking. The rest of it is not really. Who the teachers and the they're not they're not. I don't think that they're. I don't feel like they would be actively looking for these drugs. The teachers in the oh in in our counties. Yeah, yeah, they were. Yes. Oh, for sure. No. Maybe maybe mm. I've had a different experience. <clears throat> I don't remember like anyone doing anything but smoking weed. So Same. I in my school I I don't remember anyone doing that 
anything besides smoking weed, but I remember knowing what schools were like, we used to call pop, Potomac Falls pop falls because all the kids there used to smoke. But then there were other schools that had other nicknames because they were in higher tax brackets and had that other part. kind of drugs. That part. Mm. And it was just like well Maybe known. Maybe it's side of the county. In <laughs> Loudoun, we're in two different counties, and she's indoors. So that's what I'm saying. I said, well, I meant like that's why I said like, y'all side in Loudoun. No, because it wasn't even my school. But it, I think that that's what's significant about it is that like being a non-drug user in high school and not knowing people that did drugs, but still knowing this level of stuff, I can't believe that teachers and other people didn't know. Mm. Yeah. I- this is I don't know. This is foreign. The amount and the amount of drugs and the, and How obviously it's a TV is. show too. So like they're everything's heightened and more than in real life. I would assume, but mm. I but was it always shocked. makes me think like, so what kept us away from drugs? Mm. Oh. If it was like that, my parents <clears throat> much around. Yes, yeah, <laughs> terrifying. Like, I'm not gonna lie. The uh, end in the beginning. Yeah, because and I had. I also, for me, things that were important are different for different kids. But for me, it was it's like a luxury to be able to do the sports that I was doing. So if I wanted to do those, which is what I wanted to do, which was part of my social calendar and everything else, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, I'm not messing this up. Yeah. I, I don't have oh. Rodney and Linda don't play them games. Cool. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to do what I need to do. So yeah. I don't have to yeah. worry about I feel losing like, out. I don't know. I feel like I got addictive personality. So if I started a drug, I'd have been on K Street with my parents' toaster. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's an important thing to know about yourself. And I also feel like I like think about like if I have kids, like talking to them about how to cope. Mm-hmm. Like there are going to be things in life that you are going to have to l- learn to cope with in learning a way or a mechanism that isn't adverse to your health and your long-term well-being is so important. And like knowing, like having that conversation before they realize, because that's what I hear a lot when like Rue is doing drugs. Like, yes. I just want to feel numb. Like yes. I just don't want to feel and like yeah. this. And yeah. I feel like that conversation is so important, but it's not really, I've never heard anyone like really have it. And like, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times drug use happens before they realize that that's what they're doing. doing right? yeah. So I don't know, but I was definitely in high school terrified of my parents. A, <laughs> loved sports and knew I was going to go play sports like long-term college minimum. But I, I was definitely like, weed is a gateway drug. I remember to this day having a really strong conversation with one of my good friends now and was just like, I found out she was smoking weed with like another teammate somewhere. And I was just like, weed is a gateway drug. Like you're going to end up on the streets. And I really know that you're smart and I want what's best for you. Like I was that person. And I was cool, like, for sure. Oh God. <laughs> Are you crying? Cause you're like, oh, I remember. <laughs> no, I'm not even crying. I I don't I had too much responsibility in high school mm-hmm. to be concerned with it. I mean, there were moments where I like tried to find escape from those responsibilities and I'm didn't dabble in drugs, but I was like, okay, let me try smoking a cigarette. Let me see if I like this. Cause my mm-hmm. dad used to smoke cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Or let me try smoking a black and mild, see if I like that. And plus the people that I did socialize with on the weekends did do they did smoke weed but i was like at that time i was like i don't really like the smell mm-hmm. of it i was like i couldn't really time. get with it and then you know i was you know i just again i just had too much responsibility but 
I mean, drugs come in different forms. And at that time, my drug of choice was food. Mm. Yeah, I was just about to ask, like, <laughs> what you're talking about coping. I was trying to think back, like, I felt like I was whatever stress is to a teenager. Mm-hmm. No, um, but don't minimize it. Because I feel like as adults, we do that. But the stress is real. Yeah, it's a different type of stress. Yeah. Like, stress These when you're 16 are... is not the same stress as when you're But you don't know 30. that yet. You're right, you're right. right. You're exactly right. Like, it feels overwhelming. But I'm trying to think about, like, what I was doing to like cope. And I don't think it ever came to my mind. I was like, you know what? Heroin. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's where it starts. It, 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 it may be some other things other than that. But I'm like, I mean, that's I, I, I see like, how did well, you get here? But do you remember how she got there? No. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So her dad was sick. Yeah. He had cancer, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And so he had all these pain meds. And one day she just tried one. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think I missed that. And I think there was a bit where she, didn't she get hurt and then she was put on on meds or something? No. So she. So this is the in, this is interesting because this is really what I wanted to talk about. It was very interesting in the first episode. What they show is you're right. Her father had passed, but before that, when she was born. Um, she there's a scene where she's like looking up at the ceiling, counting the tiles or whatever, oh. and her mom gets anxious about you know. Or she's like, Rue has doing? a reaction that just like well, she starts crying, right, mm-hmm. she, or whatever, because she couldn't do it. Um, her her mom kept interrupting, and so they took her to the doctor because they're concerned, um, like good parents do, and then the doctors um tell them that she has anxiety and a couple other things. So to already help her cope with her baseline. Right. They were already giving her drugs. So. With for her anxiety. For her anxiety and other things. So then you fast forward to her dad. And we're not saying. I'm not. She always um, says it's not. She didn't start drugs because of him. But. Which is true. Because technically she started drugs when she was young for her anxiety. But even the, uh, the new stuff. She tries not to correlate it with him. But it was. At least. It was happening. At that time, even if she's not, like you said earlier, aware, this is something that was happening, whether or not you want to admit that he catalyzed it with his with his cancer in one way or another. Mm. So, okay, so she started because clearly I need to go back and watch season one again. So it started with anxiety meds. And then when her dad got sick, she started taking his pain meds I she think yeah. he was like yeah. out of it yeah and so she just like was in there like caring for him or like laying with him and then she just like she tried one. One. okay and then from there it was just i want to i'm chasing i'm chasing this high again basically. okay yeah. she, I, did, I remember there was a stint of her like being in the hospital and then she was but i can't remember if that was before or after that was after and that was for the dehydration the uh, ki- uh, liver kidney yeah it was kidney. like a kidney oh, she kept, she pain. but that was when she was trying to get over on them she was like, oh, do you have any? And she no. named a very specific drug. Yes. And then she was like, oh, I can go find out. And then she was like, the doctor came in and was like, your mom told us that you have yes. substance abuse issues. Yes. She was like, oh. <laughs> like, you're right. I should probably stick with Tyler. That's when she couldn't pee, right? Because yeah. she was going, because the opioids and stuff in yeah. her system. Yeah. yeah. Oof, that's another thing. Yeah. I don't know. It's rough. But just watching that interaction between her dad and how, like, it being a catalyst. Because, I mean, things that I've learned is, like, when you have situations like maybe you're ADD or ADHD and you have some other things that they do try to treat with drugs that you can't like we like you can't just cut cold turkey because mm. it is a drug right. you have to wean people off and then like you don't even know if you if you were to just cut it off because maybe you don't like how it makes you feel that like I know for a lot well I know for myself in 
having fibromyalgia, they test you on a lot of different medications to see what works for you. And sometimes I'll just stop taking it. Like just, okay, I don't feel like taking it. But you don't necessarily know what the side effects side are going effects. to be from just stopping to take it. And not in my specific case, but in other people's cases, like where, like if you, again, if you have like ADD or something like that, maybe you just cut cold turkey, it can put you in a level of withdrawal that you're not mm-hmm. familiar with and can cause other issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, would, I do want to go back even <clears throat> further though to the point of Rue, um, Learning at a young age that she had, she was dealing with anxiety and the relationship that you see, you mainly see it from the lens of Rue and her mom. And I don't know if this is done because they were trying to underline something that I noticed, which was her mom noticed her being a little off. And when you do that with your kids, you're like, you're concerned. You want to make sure that she counting. Yeah. She was counting the frames up up, up, above the ceiling, but it wasn't the counting of the frames. It was Rue's reaction when she interrupted her and she couldn't do it. So like it was causing her anxiety to not be able to do it. So long story short, you see a lot of their interaction. Like the husband is like, I mean, of course he is also dead, but they only panned to him for a moment at that time in that interaction to, you know, he says one or two things. But the main relationship is with, between the two of them. And you always see the mom being really concerned about Rue not being well or not normal. And so it made me think about how that may really be the cause of her true anxiety versus what she mm-hmm. has. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. somebody just not accepting you for who you are, where mm-hmm. you're at in that moment. And it's mm-hmm. not to say that she wasn't, her mom was trying her best, but that can also, I want to fix you. I want to change you. I want to make sure you're, you're, you're okay versus, okay, this is where we are today. We're just going to work through where we are today. Um, I think that that just it's an interesting thing to notice and think about when you think about people who are dealing with um, some type of mental disorder and also or drugs, because, you know, if somebody gets on drugs. Well, I just want you to get better. I just want you to stop doing it. I want you to be who you used to be. That type of thing plays on somebody's mind a lot or a learning disorder. Um, in, in some fashions, because maybe they don't learn the same way that you learn. So it's like, well, why, why don't you, or Mm -hmm. why can't you comprehend whatever have you? Um, yeah, I was going to say it's a, I think there's a fine line between, uh, your behavior doesn't feel quote unquote normal or versus like it feels out of the norm for you. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, was she so concerned because it didn't feel like normal, normal behaviors for her child or normal behaviors for, a child period. And that's like a very fine line, right, I guess. Yeah. And we don't know where her mom right. was in that moment. Exactly. Um, which is, I, know, I feel like as a parent, you're just trying to do the best you possibly yeah, can. Definitely. And you don't know, like, um, and I, hope, I know you're going to get back to that other podcast that you mentioned, yeah. but like um, how detrimental, like some things, like you think it's something small and how it could almost like trigger something for someone yeah. and like send them down a path and of course you don't know that in the moment yeah, right? at all. And, and maybe they don't either yeah right. Right. like i think that that's like so important in terms of um that angel saying that's like you know you people may not remember what you said but they always remember how you made them feel and yeah. it's like you can tell a person 
for 90% of your interaction, something positive. But Mm -hmm. if they really remember that 10% where you made them feel like shit and that's Mm. like what they walked away from, you never know how it's going to affect someone, whether it is that 90% or that 10%. You know what I mean? It can, the trajectory that that takes on someone because of how it affects their mental state at any given moment is a wide berth. Yeah, and you're human. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? We're all human just trying to, yeah, we're all trying to make it and we don't know that you could be what you said to them could be the jump point. Right. 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 Yeah. No. I, I, and if anything, I, I, I made that acknowledgement not to point the finger at the parent um, because you watch her and I think or at any parent, I want to put it that way because I also think that when I said that it made a lot of parents feel a certain type of way but what um, Carol referenced earlier was a podcast that I listened to called um, Invisibilia and it's in our in our um, NPR podcast and they um, had had this whole uh, discussion about families dealing with um, trying to handle mental health in their own in their mm-hmm. own homes and uh, what the conclusion overall was if you want to check it out it's um, uh, I think it's called NPR or Invi- Invisibilia's um, uh Oh gosh, I had the name. I can't. I know. Think of it, it was like solving uh, solve, a problem. Yeah, solve or... to solve or uh, solve problems. Either way, long story short, the podcast gets to the fact that it's nearly impossible for a family. The problem with the solution. The problem with the solution um, is the episode under invisibility. Uh, but the the overall discussion uh, came out that the families are dealing with trying to just help or care for the person they love, but that's really difficult for a person to do in a family because you just have love, you have history, you have all these other things that are there. And even if you don't realize you're doing it, you know, I love you so much. I just want to help you, but I'm only thinking about who you were. And it's not, it's not to slight anybody at all. Cause it's just, it's just hard. What they found is that it's better for a stranger to do it than family members. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're like, really? <laughs> the kid that I love, I would love to be, or my spouse or whoever, the person I love, it's easier for somebody else to deal with them than it is family because- You're dealing with a blank slate. Yeah, you're dealing, and there's no expectations of what you used to be, period, mm-hmm. right. right? Yeah, or, yeah. and I what I got from that too is like them saying like, we always want to fix a problem. Like when we love someone and we're kind of in the thick of it with them, we're trying to fix this, what we perceive to be a problem. But a stranger is just kind of like, if they're coming in with no perceived, no preconceived notions, they don't know that there's a problem to fix because how you're coming in now is all that I know. So I don't know that you have a quote unquote problem. I just know who you are and I'm accepting who you are in this moment, Um, which actually led me to a good um, point with um, Rue and Ali's relationship and Rue and her mom. Um, I might add Rue and Jules in there, but go ahead. um, Mm. I was, Mm -hmm. because at some point when, so the last, also spoiler alert, if you are not up to date on (laughs) Euphoria as of, uh, the fifth five, yeah, fifth yeah. episode. Yeah, what is we're recording this on Saturday, so there's a new episode tomorrow. Yeah, mm. so yeah, so if you're not caught up from February fifth, spoiler alert, you should just turn this off. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> too late. It's already too late. <laughs> uh, like when she was talking to her mom, and um, 
And she's spazzing. Like, Rue, at this moment, just found out that her mom knows about her drug use. She's tripping on her sister because she thinks her sister snitched on her. Then she finds out that it was actually Jules. So she's, like, spazzing on Jules. And her mom took the suitcase. Yeah, and her mom found the suitcase and flushed it. There's a lot happening. Rue is pissed about a lot of things. And at that point, I was just like, how many chances do you give... Um, as a family member mm. or a loved one for someone who doesn't, because Rue has already made it very clear that she doesn't want to get clean, mm-hmm. right. right? So she so has no her mom. Yeah, well, yeah. So she, you're right. She's been lying to her mom and her sister. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess and Jules. And Jules. So the only person she's told this to is Ali. I guess if, and, technically and and Elliot. Well, well, Bez is well aware. Yeah. Yes. But <laughs> Ali, she was lying to for a while. But she finally told yeah, him in that diner that when he asked her, do you mm-hmm. want to come clean? She said no. So, like, how many chances... And this is also not the first time we've seen Rue spaz on her loved ones. When she was bashing her head through the door. Yeah. Right. In her foot and stuff. First of all, give that girl an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But second of all, Immediately. I, my jaw was like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But back to yeah. the question, like, how many chances... Like, at what point are you like, you know what... You know, well, I think that. Sorry, ahead. no, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think that that's what happens a lot yeah. in situations like this, where people have to cut them off, mm-hmm. and that's how a lot of people that do drugs end up on the street because mm-hmm. it's like I can't trust you to be in my home. Yeah, especially, I mean, she has a younger sister. I can't, I can't have you around her being like that. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a not just toxic environment. It's an actually violent and dangerous environment for not only me to be in, but like, I'm an adult, I'm yeah. your mom, but I'm like your younger sister, like you just can't be around this. So like, I feel like that is, that's what I feared was happening in this episode specifically, because when she is just like running in the streets, like looking for her next high, it's just like that. And I feel like also like that is a big piece of like why drugs just terrified me. Like you just mm-hmm. don't have control a personality anymore. Yeah. Everything is about getting your next high. And I wanted to add Jules into this conversation because I... For like, first of all, for like ninety percent of the show, I'm like, how don't you know that she is hot? Uh, she looks right. like the meme of the person that's like melting off the couch. Eighty <laughs> percent of the time. Yes. So like, what? What are you doing, sis? Who do you think she is? Right. <laughs> you, you not know her. Not being sober. But wait. So oh, she sure. has this whole section. It either was in the fifth episode or the fourth episode where she's like, how to convince people that yes. you're not yeah. alive yes. when you are actually yeah. are. And she's I'm just not doing like, a very good job of it. At, at all. At all. Not even a little bit. But I guess us as watchers can True. clearly see that she uh, the ebbs and flows, but the people who are around her the most often don't necessarily, I don't know. I mean, except for when she, remember when she walks into the bathroom, she's talking with Kathy and Maddie's in there. And she's like, did you relapse? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? But I also asked that question about like, at what point are you just kind of like, if that's your point? Because also, I was, I'm going back to the episode, the special episode with Rue and Ali in the diner, mm. and um, Ali finally got to speak to his family um, mm-hmm. for the first time in a long time, and it was kind of you can only hear one part of the conversation, but it kind of seemed like the other side they were still kind of treating him like the drug addict Ali and not yeah. the clean Ali. Right. So I, then I was like. Well, dang, like, so all I know you as probably as a person who, um, like, the drug addict, not this clean person. So every time I talk to you, I probably have this, like, tunnel vision of that. But I also, like, 
want to believe that this time is not going to be like every single other time and like trying to accept that person but not getting your hopes up yeah because then i was kind of like oh man like i kind of want his daughter to stop you know it sounds like she's not giving him everything he needs but then i was like well he's probably he might have been in a situation more than once and she's like are you really sober this time or and i think that that's what's hard is having gotten your hopes up multiple times having heard this speech because even rue does it in the thing where she's like rifling through everything looking for that suitcase i'm so sorry i don't want to yeah. be like this anymore like as that you, in, in, yeah. in the same 10 minute span right yeah. so i can only imagine what it's like when it's over months of time mm-hmm. even if you have like a stint where you haven't relapsed and you're clean like you know a lot of times it's it takes i don't remember what the statistics are or how many times it takes you to get clean when you've been addicted to drugs but it's higher than five you know what I mean so like to bring family members that do love you through that but also have to maintain boundaries so that they can protect themselves in their own heart like I don't know what the answer is for that yeah so I think the key word here is boundaries and just letting people know where you are like this is what I'm not going to tolerate this is what I'm not going to allow in my home this is what isn't you know like just this is just what's not going to happen in my space. And if you don't like that, then don't be in my space. One, um, there was a moment in, I think, the most recent episode that Rue and Ali had where she smooth went off on him. Like, real disrespectful. Might have been the fourth, ep- the fourth episode mm-hmm. where she just smooth went off. And I was just like, oh, wow. I mean, it just one, there's a, so many different things happening here. At least my thought process is... This person that's trying to help you or at least be a support function for you and you are using all of the things that you have that he happened to personally share with you against him. One. Mm-hmm. Two, I'm also like, I've, there's two things I'm feeling here. I'm like, either he's setting boundaries and this is how I'm going to talk to you because clearly I need to set a boundary with you. Or now I'm fearful for, is that going to be your catalyst for your relapse? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's a relapse. Um, can you relapse? You already on drugs? No, for, for Ali. Ali. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. Yeah, like because <laughs> you can clearly see him getting very upset, and it's like almost when you have a trigger, and it mm. looks like for him his trigger is his family, or maybe the abuse yeah. that might have happened within his family. Mm. And I'm like, I hope what she said doesn't send him into a tizzy mm-hmm. because like it, he's the he's the protagonist that you really want to love because he's trying to be helpful in yeah. a way. Yeah, and he's the one person, like as we were talking about earlier, has probably accepted her for who she is. Yeah. Because right? he knows that she's an addict that doesn't want to get clean and he's still like, okay, I want to hear. Like, whatever you need, like, let's go to get these pancakes on Christmas Eve, like, yeah. after a meeting. Like, he's still trying to be that for her. Right. But you can also tell that Rue in that moment, because I think that was right when she had just gotten the suitcase of drugs mm-hmm. is when she snapped on him. Um, and... You could tell he was just kind of like, you're you're no longer the going in the bathroom, getting high at a diner. You are now going down a very, very, very dangerous path that is probably going to lead to you dying. Yeah. Because right. I think all of us, except for the lady that gave her the suitcase, knew that Rue was going to smoke and take all the or snort all these drugs did we ever get the plan because i was like what we did she remember she was like we're gonna use other high school students that are good students and they're gonna do it because the police won't suspect them and when elliot was like oh this plan makes sense i was like why are you helping this go along because that's so high because fez was like 
No, absolutely not. <laughs> I don't even want to hear your fucking plan. I just know that you're going to do all my drugs and I don't yeah, have time. Yeah, because Ellie was probably like, oh, you about to go? Okay, yeah. Yeah, Free drugs. Right. Okay. that's um, a good point. But I also think, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say um, that I also think that to your point when we were talking about Ali and how we're rooting for him in terms of his family, like we're the person that Sai is talking about when we're the outsider that is rooting for Ali because we don't have the previous yeah. experience. You know, we only right. know Ali as like the advocate clean. and the clean yeah. advocate for yeah. Rue and how great he is. You're right. Not in real life. Because I'm also like, Rue. Yeah. I'm done with you. But actually. Well, I mean, I can't even say I'm done with her yeah, because the part mm-hmm. oh, that she spazzed on her family in the most recent um, after Jules and the other friend, Elliot. Yes, Elliot, like snitching on her. I guess you would call it. Like that's what happened. For or a keeping moment, her alive. Or, okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they snitched. <laughs> but, I mean, intervention, but, snitching. Okay, whatever. Um, I for a split second, and maybe this is just me trying to see the good, which is not my norm. You were mad at them for snitching? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Okay. I was like, Not maybe Nicole, she... Rue bashing her head through a door. How could you? <laughs> How could you do this? Nicole was rude. <laughs> like shocked and appalled. No. For a split second, I was like, maybe she's just fearful for her life. Because she knows that if she don't recoup at least this 10 grand to pay for these drugs that she's been fronted, they're going to kill her. Well, 100%. But I don't. I guess I don't know the, the how long Rue had the suitcase. But what it I looks like a what day. I, what I never <laughs> felt like was that Rue was ever planning on selling a straw. Right, exactly. That's exactly how I felt too. Because why would you get put yourself in this hole I'm, knowing that you are really just looking for drugs and no one will give them to you? So then you go get a whole suitcase full. Yeah. Agreed. But again, benefit of the doubt. Maybe she's going to take fifty percent of those drugs and then she's going to okay. sell fifty percent. Remember of those, those drugs. batteries you were just talking about? Right. I'm just saying. You need to draw some. I mean, <gasps> I had plenty of boundaries. Okay. <laughs> Ask my family members. Don't uh-huh. don't come say about me. But anyway, oh, um, in this in this instance, I'm just like, what are you truly fearful of in this moment? Are you being fearful because now everybody who you do surround yourself with knows where you are in your space? Like they know in your sobriety, I should say, they know where you are. Or are you fearful that you may lose your life sooner rather than later because mm-hmm. you can't you don't have this money for the drugs, or? Is it that you are fearful because now you realize that maybe I have a true problem? I think it was less about the money because, again, I knew her tiff. Like, Rue never had any intention of selling these drugs. Agreed. I don't know how she thought she was going to give this woman her money back, but I knew it wasn't from selling these drugs. It was very clear to me that Rue was going to smoke that whole suitcase, whole suitcase. by herself. <laughs> maybe the bag around. Right. Maybe with all, Elliot. Maybe with Elliot. Let's talk about the bag because I'm like, this is a bag that we would pack to go... On the bike, I was expecting a PowerPoint what? presentation in the background, yes. too. Like, what's happening here? But um, I would say, too, I think for me, I think it was Ru- uh, Ru's like the, the jig being up and her it finally being that everyone in her life knows yeah. now mm-hmm. right. that she doesn't want to be clean and right. the impact and the consequences mm. that comes with all the people that you've been trying to fool this whole time now know the truth right. and her trying to shield it from her trying to shield that from them definitely the animalistic like back against the wall yeah exactly also in like her like the the gaslighting of everyone and all that too because right. I also was like oh it's very interesting to me that she blames Jules for the relapse 
but she doesn't want Jules to know that she relapsed. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But she, well, what, that hold doesn't away. strike me as odd. Hold on, wait. Not because, only, go ahead. Sorry, no, no, you go ahead. No, you go <laughs> Not only, maybe, maybe what I'm about to say, Ty, because how you gonna blame somebody for a relapse that happened before you met them? Huh? Yeah. She hadn't met him yet. And she, First heard, of all, she went she straight was, to the... She, she was, was not sober no. when she met Jules. At all. She but even, she got, she she got sober. sober. She got sober. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She was two weeks sober. Yes. <sighs> met Jules. Sober nonetheless. You're right. You don't take that chip from her. You're right. It was two weeks. My apologies. <laughs> yeah. Because I... Cause 14 days. <laughs> well, she was sober. And then <laughs> when Jules went on the train, then that was the, yeah, that was the night. season finale of episode one. Yeah. Where I, was, I was like, did she die? Same. Um, They're not telling us. Not us asking that multiple questions, multiple times about Rue because you, you have to wonder multiple times. Yes. Um, yeah. But I, it doesn't strike me as odd that she didn't tell her because she knows that the parameter for them being able to be together is if she's, her sobriety. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. That's, okay. that's the boundary <laughs> that Jules, Jules created. Drew. Okay. I see that. I guess for me, and I guess maybe she was now, using- Now, Jules fucking Elliot was wild to me. But go ahead. Um, I saw that coming. Or um, I mean, I saw it coming, but I was also like, "Why are y'all spending so much time together without re- like?" I don't understand oh, wait. why that's happening. So why often. did I know that was gonna come up in this conversation? Oh. Because as I was watching this moment, or at least the couple of moments, one where she was with Elliot, I'm just like, "Isn't this interesting?" Rue introduced Jules to Elliot, and now Jules is hanging out with Elliot more. I said, "I guarantee you." It's sharing friends is what's going to come up today. Mm-hmm. But also them being like, okay, you kiss Elliot, you kiss Rue or Rue, you kiss Elliot. And then being like, okay, Elliot, come kiss me and see if we can make Rue. I'm just like, this is dangerous. Okay. I was like, okay, you guys are in high school. Not necessary. You guys are in high it's school. It's a polyamorous relationship. <laughs> That's a good point. But like. also Rue doesn't seem, because what was it? She's like, she's, I'm not sure Rue is asexual or not. Like Rue is not interested in sex, it seems like. She's interested like she's in, in her high. Well, she's interested in, well, in the, I think the emotional ties, what she's interested in with Jules, Jules but yeah. not the sexual relationship with her. Yeah. But I just think that she's less interested in sex than everybody else. I don't think that she's not interested in sex, but also we learned that Jules is not great at sex, so that's probably why it's not that interesting to <laughs> Well, no, Rue was high. That that fake mom was uh, uh, Oh, she did say she was high, but then she was also, I mean, like Jules and Elliot had that whole conversation about like, oh, maybe I don't know how to eat pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Mm. I forgot the point I was trying to make. Oh, sorry. Uh, That's okay. <laughs> that was a horrible moment. Like, how Quite you just go and try to fake it and then gaslight her so much so to make her feel like, it no, amazing. it's not you. What she said, it's amazing. Yeah, she said, like, it's amazing. She was, was like, amazing. you keep saying that. Did you just fake that? <laughs> no, yes. that's amazing. So, so <laughs> I was like, stop. Just you were so desensitized that you can't even feel that. What? I don't, think, uh, I don't even know if it got to that point. Ooh. <laughs> that's what, it's, that's what it's her face is. That's what it's giving. Not being like, are you done yet? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to get high again. Your other laugh. Not your other laugh. You ever finish I go snort this, whatever? I don't know. Well, speaking of that, how did you guys feel about the thoughts of um, the creators being adults, but creating a show where children are having a lot of sex. I mean, it's creepy in the context of <laughs> when the you way say you it say it. Like that. When you say it like that. It's creepy when you say it like that. Honestly, but then you got to think about all of the stuff that we've seen to this point. I mean, this is 
a lot in one one season or two seasons, yet alone a show. Right. Um, but who who else is gonna talk about it? What, how, mm. We've always seen it through the lens of an older Adult. man. Yeah, Breakfast Club. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of whatever the I don't know the Goonies. Like all those things are still from like if you know from the really racy ones all the way down to the kitty ones I'm yeah. just saying it's like all of them are made by adults so but would the show be as impactful if they were adults or would it just be like no no I mean, half the time I'm sitting there like this is in high school yeah like, I feel like that is a piece of it and I <clears throat> I'd be bored I feel if it was like, adults actually I feel like I watched this season <laughs> would you? Like, I don't know if I would be bored, but I feel like I watch this season differently because there is, I can't tell if more people are watching this season than watch the first season. I feel like I'm seeing a lot more think pieces around Euphoria than I saw with the first season. I feel like I didn't see any like buzz on social media around it, but now I'm seeing a lot. Yeah, I saw it late. Yeah. Yeah, but like. I feel like because of the buzz, I'm thinking about it differently. But like, I know when I was watching the first season, I remember wishing like, I was like, man, I wish I had like cats mentality when Mm -hmm. I was in high school. I wish I just had decided that I was a bad bitch and like let the rest of it rock. So I definitely wasn't concerned. Honestly, I was definitely like seeing myself like projected back then. Okay. So I feel like it is creepy in the context of like the reality of the situation. There was this guy on TikTok talking about like how he's been on show production and how when you create a sex scene as a writer, director, like whatever, you get to see like the scene uncut and you get to see it multiple times and maybe you get to see like how many like make the changes and like blah blah blah. So like that can be like fetishized or sex like heavily more sexualized or like even more creepy mm-hmm. than it is when we see it as a finished product mm-hmm. and that felt really creepy but that's not the context i was thinking about the show right. you know what i mean i was thinking mm-hmm. about it like high schoolers having sex with high schoolers and i wasn't really thinking about it beyond then beyond that so like i can understand how yeah it can be predatorial for people that are pedophiliacs you know what I mean that are like more geared towards like younger people I can see how that how maybe it's I don't want to say maybe I can see how it's dangerous Mm -hmm. but like I don't like what I also there's a whole other side of that coin where like you can watch it with your niece and it be a beneficial conversational starter because of the context that it's in so I don't know that it inherently makes the show wrong because People are creepy. People are always creepy. You know what I mean? I don't know what you do about it. I mean, yes, for sure. But I think major conversation starter because of like, what are the root of these issues? Like, or at least what would be perceived as an issue, whether it be sexuality, whether it be drug abuse or whatever have you, what is the root or at least why are are they utilizing these methods to cope? And then I know for myself, reflect on my own my own growing up. And I'm like, mm. I mean, you could see some of these things. Like you have a death in the family. That could be really hard. How do you cope from that? Yeah. Or you grow up and you have to ha- live this p- perfect picture family image for society. How do you cope with that when you're not the perfect child or whatever have you? Or, or dad. 
I mean, in my so cat, that's my that's my girl. We cool because how do you deal? Look, how do you like deal in a world where all your friends look what you think are the most desirable of the bunch, and you a little thick and chunky, and then you re- you grow up, and I mean, you grow up and you realize <laughs> you debate hey. right. Not everybody wants a chicken leg all by itself. <laughs> They need to have the gristle and bone with it. So, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, when you, because at the age, you don't feel that way. I know, yeah. at least I know I no, did it. Sure. So I resonate heavily with Kat. Like, yeah. Yeah. that moment when Kat is by herself and she has all these people, like, trying to cheer her on, I'm just like, yo. Yeah. I feel that. I love Kat. She's my favorite character. But I also feel like I also want to, like, Shake her mm-hmm. in the sense of like, okay, but like love your sexuality and step into it, but also like in a healthy way. Yeah. Not and, on Pornhub. Yeah. But not even just <laughs> not on Pornhub. When she thinks that the guy that she likes at the fair was talking uh, to that like skinny blonde thing. Yeah, yes. And she doesn't talk to him. She instead has sex with some random guy yes. behind it's everything. Insecurity. Just because like, because yeah. now in your mind, you're like, I he wants her. Yeah. That's why he's talking to her. And it's like, those are like the conversations that like, to me, it brings forward, mm-hmm. like really having like conversations that like I never had with an adult figure in my life. But like, I wish someone had been like, listen, like there are times where you're going to feel like insecure, but like, make sure you have the full picture. Don't act out of your insecurity. Even if you don't feel it right now, like life is a marathon. Like mm-hmm. just don't, don't, like who you how you may feel right now isn't the full picture of who you are who you can be like right high school is a moment right it's yeah. not but not only is it a moment you are for the remainder of your life right even if you feel like less than here and i encourage you to not right. <laughs> you know what i mean right. in a more artful way than that because i mean or you could just walk up on them like, mm, what's what's popping over here in this conversation? What y'all talking about? Yeah, see, that is the mm-hmm. parenting I had, and mm-hmm. it didn't. I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it was no, like, just- this show definitely makes me feel, like, there's moments where I feel very uncomfortable watching. So, yes. but I don't, but I also don't feel like I'm not supposed to be watching. Yeah. And um, if that's a good way of putting it. Because it's kind of like watching... Um, Power Ghost, mm-hmm. Power Book Two, or whatever that show is called. They're mm-hmm. in college, so it feels less weird because I'm expecting kids in college to be taking drugs mm-hmm. and having sex and drinking oh, and all that stuff. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Because um, that just feels like more of an authentic college experience to me. Yeah, your own, doing, yeah. You're making your own choices. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But I still, every time I have, every time Tariq has sex, I'm just like. <sighs> but at the same time, I. They don't euphoria kind of goes like zero to a hundred real quick. Right. It's real quick. You don't like ever know five what's minutes going. from the yeah. opening credits. First of all, it's a sex montage. I've yeah. never seen so many penises <laughs> someone. Like so at a time. I also it's... have never seen but so many you, penises. Do you remember, remember like when first season one came out? And I don't know if Drake actually has some type of correlation with this or not, but they were saying like how the opening scene had like the most penises. Like it was like a record for like the most penises in one opening scene. It has to do with Drake. Apparently, he was like a producer on this show or a creator or something. I don't know if it's true. But Definitely like, demystified some things for me. Nah. But, <laughs> you want to talk about it? No. <laughs> I have so many questions. I do too. I kind of want to talk about it. <laughs> I'm just saying the amount of penises and the variation. I'm just like. Lopez. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I, feel, I don't want to talk about his past. 
I feel like there's a piece of me that's like the feminist that's like, yeah, seeing penises on camera, <laughs> <laughs> not just titties. Yes. But then there's another piece that's me like, ugh. But, <laughs> that's where I'm at. Because Nate's dad, when he came home and everyone's like, put your dick away. <laughs> yes. And he just wouldn't. I was yeah. like, why is yeah. it still out? Yeah. Yes. Why is it still Because I'm also just kind of like, I didn't know penises could just be on camera for so long. <laughs> like, you know, like when there's like a moment like where this might be appropriate, but Euphoria is like, okay, this is appropriate 10 seconds longer. Every single time. So it's like, every longest part of it though. I'm like, we're just going to pay it from one penis to the next, to another one, to and another one. <laughs> yeah, and then those are the moments where I'm like, okay, creators, showrunners, producers, yes. why was that the angle you decided to go into. Oh, see, I oh. think it's intentional. Oh, I know. That's why I'm saying. Oh, but I think that it's because it's like, I think the cringe is a real element of this show. I don't Whether think it's it like adds. the awkward situations or the sexuality. I think that like, it is like an element that they intend to like make the audience like, mm. even if it, like you have a high tolerance, you're going to feel cringy. Oh, see, I, feel like, I don't know if penis. those, I don't know <laughs> if it adds to the, I don't know if it adds anything to the, sh- like, I don't know if that mm. is a, a key point in the show. Like, like I agree with you. I think the cringiness of the show is definitely a good element. I don't know if the, naked cringy amount of pain yeah if it adds anything like you could have not had it stay on screen for so long and i still would feel like oh that's weird i'm gonna tell you what it added the dad but do you it look at it the that, whole time like his penis specifically <laughs> yeah huh? i don't know i just feel there's a lot happening on the screen oh. so i try not to like at a certain point i'm like okay his dick is out i get it and i just like kind of like that's what i'm saying i'm not like like so no. now no but i mean like i i guess that's why for me it's not like about the time of amount of time that it's on screen because I'm just like I understand that now that they are gonna go this whole scene with it out yes Uh, I'm just like wow still out huh (laughs) five minutes later (laughs) what were you gonna say no I was gonna say I think the locker room might have been very very intentional to help understand that maybe the dad didn't want to look at every penis but maybe just that one man's penis oh I Mm. thought it was telling us that he was just into penis Mm -hmm. I mean I don't even remember the dad being there so the flashback. His flashback. I'm talking about the flashback. Oh, you're not talking about the, the first season. episode. Yeah, we're talking about no, the first no, no. episode. Yeah. Oh, I'm talking okay. about the flashback. Because oh, okay. that scene was a lot. I don't remember the, the first the episode. The flashback is, was very intentional. Like, let me show you how we got where he started and where he at now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I but like. I also feel like the episode where he, where he comes home and his dick is just out <laughs> is like, that dick created so many problems. Mm. That he is now trying mm. to read everybody in the room about, but it's really oh. like that penis that is the problem. <laughs> I was like, you got to be on screen because you started all this, so you got to have your moment. We're not letting you escape, Dick. You stay right here, Dick. That's exactly what it's going. Okay, that's not where I thought we were going with this. So maybe you have the mind of a, of a creator yeah. for Euphoria. Uh, yeah. You yeah. too. Give me a call. <laughs> you yeah. take it right for Euphoria again. Her agent. Actually, her husband should take this one. I'm not going to take it. Never mind. Goodbye, Nicole. That's your agent. That's your agent. Now you're playing somebody else. After playing yourself. Yeah, I was um, back. I don't know. We're, do- we're doing a lot of jumping around, no, guys. Ahead, this episode had a lot happening. It's fun, though. Um, but the um, podcast that you referenced earlier, um, they were also talking about um, integrating people with mental illnesses into, like, 
quote unquote normal society and not ostracizing them or like putting them in a corner or like mental health institutions because when you like highly um, or heavily medicate them that's not helping them Mm -hmm. but like integrating them into normal society and activities is what really helps them adapt. What kind of mental health are we talking about? So like the everything. So the place that she was talking it's in Berlin I believe. Uh, Belgium. Belgium. uh, Hail Belgium G-E-E-L So they don't send, so there's a a town instead of sending people, and this is like people that have um, uh, very severe mental illness. So we're talking like schizophrenia, bipolar um, Some just had anxiety Yeah, anxiety. But they said extreme. So it wasn't like Oh, I, every day. Yeah, every day, like um, functioning. Functioning. Yeah, it's people that have um, most of them. I think were noticeable uh, mental disorders, whatever that was. And instead of sending them to a facility, there's this town that pretty much like you. They go to the, a doctor, and then the doctor and therapist matches them with the family that they live with, which are strangers, and then they. They let them go to the store. They live with these families. They have everyday lives. I think if they want to, if they're, if the medication is what works for them, they'll put them on medication. Yeah. But it's not like a, I'm sedating you to the point where you can't function. Mm-hmm. Some of them have jobs. They're in relationships. They're interacting with people. And they found that by having a no, so not trying to fix them is what helped these people mm-hmm. get better. Okay. okay. Um, and that's not all- fixed to them with strangers, though. Yeah, yes, and, caveat. Yeah, and these are all strangers, so they're not with family members. Okay. They're staying with they call host families. Do the families right. feel a kind of way about that? So it's like an exchange student, essentially. <laughs> essentially. Yeah, it is. Uh, the 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 town um, had a, a a saint that was the saint of the mentally ill. So the church is dedicated to that, and the okay. area is dedicated to that. So they've been doing this for generations. Yes, wow. like centuries. So their thing is. They have all learned that no matter what it is, they will accept mm-hmm. whatever that person is going through. Mm-hmm. So if they are, one person was screwing, taking the buttons off a person's shirt as they wore, like that would be his thing every day. Mm-hmm. And instead of them trying to trying stop, to stop him, do, they just would resew the buttons on every day. I mean, and not replace it with like something that would break or like it would easily stay on. They were like, "That's who he is." It would make him feel awkward or or not be able to settle if he can't do it so I'm gonna allow him to do it like that's how accepting they are they're yeah. not it's not like oh I'm tolerating you I mean it's an interesting take because it's I mean that's not hurting anyone right but I guess for us like as a the, what they found was for strangers it's and they also which I thought was really interesting is if you accept like you're in this town and you're like oh you have a new they didn't call them patients they called them borders borders so if you have a new border coming in you wouldn't know what their disorder is or whatever mental um, illness that they were dealing with hmm. they just placed you with this person and you guys would just live and coexist together um, and like for one of them it was uh, this guy was very touchy feely with the wife like hu- he always wanted to hug her and um, I don't think he was being like inappropriate like okay. anything like that but he, just, he was very touchy feely yes um, and finally the husband was they were like at first they felt uncomfortable but then the husband was like this is my woman you gotta find your own and they are like it took a couple months, but eventually he stopped wanting. To, he stopped. I guess he respected mm. her boundaries. Okay. And he was like, "Oh, he's like, go oh, get your own girlfriend," and he did. Oh. <laughs> like he got his own girlfriend, and he could do all the things that were appropriate with her, and no longer with his host family. Okay. Um, but what I thought was interesting is what brought me back to Euphoria. I was thinking, like, how would this work with Rue? Like, what does that mean for Rue to like 
not constantly trying to fix her, which is what her family is trying yeah. to do, and where Ali is kind of accepting her. Mm-hmm. But like, I wonder for her what it would look like to not constantly feel like someone is trying to fix you, and that's why you're con. And if that's that would change of- her chase, yeah. But I also wonder like what acceptance means for a drug addict. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that you just have a steady flow of drugs? Yeah, I don't. Well, so I think the the, the caveat with, with that is Rue only started this when she started to feel like she was out of place, right? So right. it started with the anxiety, drugs, and then it eventually went into some heavier drugs. But some of this can be taken care of with the drugs she started with, right? The ones that don't have a high withdrawal, the ones that kind of just slowly trying to even you out. And the little the little times that you don't feel, or like you feel like you need it, you can take that drug, but you don't have to necessarily if there's a, a there's no need, right? You don't, you are doing this because there is a lack. It's not, it's not, people are not taking drugs because the drug is the thing to do. It's more so the thing that has the, the, there is something there and it's rooted in something. So even with alcoholism, you know, like that there is something rooted in that. You do enjoy a drink. Don't get me wrong, but there's something added in. <laughs> you do enjoy a drink. <laughs> there's something added into that and to as to why it becomes. Because I've heard there is a black doctor and I'll let you go. There's a black, not doc. Yeah. He may be a doctor. I can't remember now. Um, that, Otherwise um, he's just a nigger. I mean a doctor as far as scientific versus like educational educational, like uh, English in English in English or something Um, that's the part I I can't remember but he is a doctor I just don't know if it's that and he was saying that he got a lot of controversies he's written two books and uh, he wrote two, two books about his recreational use of heroin and uh yeah like bigger drugs not the ones that we would consider recreational, uh, recreational like um like weed weed right where we're at now it used to not be the case but he you know he his thing is the i don't even know if you call it microdosing but just a more regulated um uh use of the drug where it's not not more regulated sorry over a, a less regulated but you're you're um you're using it to just have the fun of using the drug versus it being something where um, you you fall into becoming an addict where you're needing it to do and replace certain things. So that there are people who do drugs that are just for, for fun, but they also don't become addicts. And so there's the that's the thing, right? You're you're using the drugs and the alcohol as a coping mechanism, which is what where all this started, right? And so if you're getting drugs from a doctor that sorry that don't have those same effects as far as being addictive and you're not using not not needing to use them as much because you have learned or developed coping mechanisms with individuals who don't know you don't expect you to be a different way whatever your baseline is again we don't know it's probably her breathing into a paper bag every other day but that's just her because it you know she gets anxiety and then she doesn't versus trying to like feed her drugs to to deal with it she just finds a different way to so i'm sorry go ahead this makes me think of Nine Perfect Strangers. I don't know if you all watch mm-hmm. the show, but it's a show that actually go comes on. I think like ABC. Oh, Hulu. Hulu! I didn't watch that. It's, yeah. Oh no! You're it, it comes on ABC and then like airs on Hulu. No, this is a different one. Oh, yeah, I'm the one with the comedian, the black comedian that's bald with Nicole Kidman. Yeah, that was oh, on Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, it was, it was, it was a limited it was, series on Hulu. Oh, yeah. I didn't see, oh, it. I see okay. it. I didn't see it. Yeah. Well, it's on Hulu then. Nine Perfect Strangers and um, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> it's been out for months. If you haven't watched it, but yeah, if you haven't watched it, it's on you. Um, <laughs> they more or less are there to find some type of spiritual or whatever grounding. All of them have their own specific issue. That's what they're there to do. Yes. Right. They think that okay. they're there for yeah. some type of spiritual healing or whatever. Nicole Kidman on the other hand. Nicole Kidman, <laughs> on the other hand, rec- like she almost she handpicks these nine people, understanding that there's some type of underlying issue. And she literally microdoses them to a point. So <laughs> I guess to encourage some type of healing. But it made me think of what you were talking about, like in in microdosing and having and taking some form of drug and I vividly remember at the end of the show all of these well not all of them most of the nine individuals went on to understand what their problem was understand how to cope with whatever that problem would it you know whether it be loneliness or um you having a level of insecurity where you don't think you're pretty enough or maybe some family trauma, death, suicide, something like that. And they all walk away and they're absolutely fine because it's utilized as recreational instead of now where I think it could have turned for sure is if someone might've had an addictive situation. Like maybe I need this. The football player. Yeah. Yes, he did. He did have a. And a couple of people almost died. Yeah, yes. But also she okay. was doing that to find like the perfect combination of drugs to get people to, to like this. Create a portal. Yeah, yes. a portal to, you know, confront whatever is demon she was dealing with. Yeah. Well, that too, because she also had her own challenges. I mean, there's <gasps> several that layers. Too. Not that being her whole reason for the there's, whole retreat. Oh, I mean, oh, and also yeah. this. There's several <laughs> layers to the show that you, you that you peel yeah. back over time. But it also like the the understanding of that there is a root issue for whatever you're going through so whatever like alcoholism whether whether it be drug use or whatever have you so i i understand what you guys are saying but i also want to be careful with the language that we're using because i think that this happens a lot where sometimes we talk about addiction as though it is a fault of personality or character and i I want to make a distinction that oh. drugs are addictive. Yes. Agreed. And so that's yes. a lot of what's happening. It's not whether you have just about whether you have a, an addictive personality or whether or not you can use them recreationally. Drugs are addictive and change your brain chemistry. Oh, and yes. that's what makes you a drug addict. And I think that Agreed. that's what I'm talking about in terms of Rue and her problem. Like her brain chemistry is now different than how Rue was yes. at the yeah. precipice yes. of Rue. Yes, right. So I think that that is a big part of the conversation when you're talking about how you now deal with family members and the boundaries that you have to create and how you try to now deal with them after they have become addicts and they are trying to get off of drugs. Because in a lot of ways, their brain chemistry is, they can't go back. Right, right. There are now different people and now have different qualms and have to operate differently than whoever else you may know because of what can cause them to relapse. Mm. So I just like wanted to create that distinction because it, 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 it's just not that cut and dry when it becomes your brain is actually Absolutely. operating differently now. Yeah, and what, right. one of the um, interesting points they made in this other podcast was that um, 
in America, we kind of are trying to get someone back to how they were instead of trying to accept where they are now. Yeah. With the different change with, in their with, brain. With, yeah, like yeah, with the different changes that happen with your brain for whatever reason, whether it be extensive drug use or it be an illness. Um, or what? Well, and I guess, um, as Ollie was saying, it's a disease. When you're addicted to something, it becomes a disease. It's right. no longer like a, oh, I kind of like to do heroin every now and then. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's a right. You know, this is like a this is a this is not a recreational thing anymore. Right. This is a disease that you're now uh, battling and grappling within your within yourself. Right. And so here, we are trying to fix a problem, whereas in other places, they're just trying to coexist. <laughs> And I do understand that being schizophrenic versus being a heroin addict are not the same. Right. Yeah. And right. those, what that looks like for you and your family is not the same. Right. Um, but I did, it did make me think, is there a way for Rue to be accepted how her brain has altered now? in her current situation or is like they said, this other thing where people have to leave yeah. and kind of like develop their whole new independent lives to feel quote unquote normal where they are right now. Right. Well, I wonder if it's also one of those things. I feel like we're looking at it from the perspective of the person that's sober looking at the person with the addiction as I'm trying to get you back to what I knew you as. Mm-hmm. But I also wonder if it's like, different people bring different things out of you. So the person with the addiction, whether or not that's stated, that that their parent wants to get them back to how they were, that's how the person with addiction feels. Feels, yeah. Even if that's not maybe their objective. So like having a fresh set of eyes helps them feel like they can grow into the person that they're trying to become also. Yeah. But I... It's difficult, right? Like you... It's not just am I hindering you? It's, am I safe in the same space as you? When it becomes violent or I will sell anything in this house to get my next high or, you know what I mean? Like, I think the core problem with Rue is that she has no intention of being sober. So how you work with that, I don't know. How I care for you and want to keep you safe. But my goal for you and your goal for you are not yeah. the same. Right. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because in, in the, the uh, Invisibilia podcast, it was saying that these people aren't, these are not people who are being brought in against their will to do some type of detox. These are people who are coming for a refuge, right? Like they know and have heard about the area and are coming because they are seeking to be in a different space themselves. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can't with a drug addict unless they are saying, okay, I have done this my way enough times. Maybe these people yeah. could help me. There's, you know, that's not, and it, again, it's no guarantee. And they talk about that. There are people who have had to get a little physical with the individuals who, they're, who, are, mm-hmm. their, who are their borders. Um, but it's just that. It's level of respect. And then they kind of, if they can, there are some cases where they can't. Right. And that, you know, you just have to deal with it where it is. With Rue, you don't know. I mean, that's she's a wild card that yeah. she even herself is, she set some lines, but there's very clearly some lines she's just not even aware of or not even sure how she wants to make her next move. So how you don't help that. And I mean, honestly, I 
Ali even says that he like he understands it's 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 respectable for people if they they can't deal with it, you know, and they're tired tired of dealing with it. Um, yeah. You know, they fully understand that it's part of the territory. So, if you're having to make that choice and put that boundary up for you, your child, your child, your own safety, whatever the case may be, it's not that your loved one doesn't realize that that's the smart thing to do. It's just, you know, other people might feel some type of way about it, but you, y'all, you already know. I, y'all don't know what, what happened behind closed doors, but her mom yeah. and Rue do. Right. And at the end right. of the day, Rue, I think that's an interesting actually segue, I'm going to segue myself into the um, part where she felt like she didn't, she deserved all the things that were happening to her. Mm -hmm. I was just yeah, about that. that. This is all happening also in the, if you haven't seen the Ali um, and Rue in the dining area and the Rue special, that's in between the first and second season, check it out. But it, she talks about, you know, feeling as if she deserved people to leave her, her father, um, Jules at that point because of all the things that she had done, bad things that she had done. Um, and it just made me really uh, think about how, you know, just, she's dealing with something I think a lot of people deal with. It's just, she's not the only one, but it's very much heightened when you're on <laughs> drugs in any way, shape, or form. But to hear her feel like um, all of this that was happening wasn't something that she could fix the things that had happened, nor did she know how to fix herself. So just might as well plug mm -hmm. away and keep doing whatever she's doing and allowing the hurt that she's feeling from people leaving her just happen because she keeps doing the bad things anyway, when she's done it. Like it was just this spiral. And I was like, oh, like I now see how your brain is really working here. You're not alone, but there's no off switch. She right. just kept yeah. spiraling and it's just like, ooh, that was that was rough. Also her being like, I don't plan on being here that long anyway. Right. So mm -hmm. if I don't, if I already feel like everything is my fault or, or not, or I'm deserving of all this thing. I'm a bad person. I'm a bad person. A I'm yeah. not going to be here for long anyway. I might as well make my time here, make it feel a little numb or less hurtful than it is. Then yeah. I, under, I do understand like, wanting to constantly be high if you feel like your days are numbered. Right. right. And this is the one thing that brings me joy or the yeah. one time I can feel some type of not pain, whatever right. that looks like to her. See, but there are people who would say the complete opposite because I feel my days here are numbered. I want to make my days... I want to feel the most that I can out of them. I want to... But if you're, mm. if everything you feel is pain, if every moment of your life is pain... Yeah. I feel like that is my question with Rue. Like... What is the source of that? Is it is it sorrow? Is it her grieving her dad? Mm. Or is it like she at her core? To me, Rue is self-fulfilling prophecy. So like when it comes to I'm deserving of this or I'm a bad person, she does things mm. to prove those yeah. to be yeah. true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like people are gonna yeah. desert me, no one loves me. She does things to then I'll push you away. Exactly. Yeah. So like it's just that like painful part of like, again, concerned auntie, where mm -hmm. like you want more for someone than they want for themselves. Mm -hmm. And you like, because you haven't lived enough life yet, because you don't have enough life experience, like you can't see the other side because this is all you know right now. Yeah. Right. That's kind of how I felt when she was saying like, um, 
about Jules and basically she was blaming Jules. I can't remember her exact words, but I was just thinking of her. I was just thinking in my head, like, girl, you're in high school. You know how many relationships are going to fail right. before you, you even, don't. you know what I mean? It like, doesn't dull the pain. Yeah, you, you don't know. know but I'm, just, I'm thinking as a 30 something yes. looking at a, what is she, 17 in this, yeah. 16 in this show. I'm thinking like, wow, I remember feeling like this relationship would be the last relationship or I'm never going to feel this hurt again. And then at some point you get over that, right? Yeah. But in that moment, you can't possibly fathom not feeling as hurt as you feel in that moment. And so I was watching, same thing, concerned auntie, like, girl, this is not going to be the last heartbreak. Jules is not going to be the last person you fall in love with. But even if it... Even if it's something you get over, you still learn something from it. Like that pain, you still you still take away something from that. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And I just the part where she was like, "Jules, you don't love me. You just love being loved." Mm-hmm. I was like, mm. "That <laughs> <laughs> the dagger." <laughs> yeah. No, there's a lot of things in here. I just was like, oh, I kind of wish you could just live a little bit longer. And I feel like yeah. Ali was trying to say to her, like, oh, yeah, he got if you live a little bit longer, like how you're feeling. And I think this is also this might be my aftershade. Like how like again, how you're feeling right now is not like it kind of like it's not the end all. This is a moment. This is not your full story. Right. There are going to be other things that happen. There are going to be great moments that happen. This doesn't have to be the end. I think Ali was trying to like push that yeah. into her. Um, and that also reminds me, I don't know, I'm rambling, but like okay. when Rue was saying she um, tried to kill her mom, like, or she like, took the knife out on her mom. And yeah. then I thought back to the last episode when she was attacking her mom. And I'm like, wow, you just had this full moment with Ali. Well, not you just had it because it was in between seasons. But you had a moment with him where you're like, wow, I cannot believe I tried to attack my mom. And look at you, attacking your mom again. But I also feel like... <laughs> See, the hard part for me with Rue here is also, like, I don't know, we haven't known Rue long enough outside of her drug use to know what's Rue and what's... The drugs? Drugs. Yeah. Because I feel like that's the peak and valley that we're seeing, too. Like, I don't know, like, what part of you is, like, I need that fucking suitcase so I don't die tomorrow, even though I think I might die in six months. You know what I mean? Like, or what is, like... I really hate you and want you to die. Because I don't really think that that's true. But I think that, like, when your brain chemistry is altered, like, when your emotions peak and valley at that speed, especially being in high school already. Yeah. Like. But I think we got a visual of that when she was briefly sober in season one. Like, we kind of saw her. But she wasn't, like, going off on people. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I feel like they're, they were trying to show us this is sober. This is Rue. This is yeah. the Rue that her family remembers. This is the Rue that her family wants to get back to. This is who, when they see Rue spiraling, this is the Rue that they're trying to get back to. And I feel like sober Rue in season one is what is true Rue. Mm. Or at least that's what we're seeing. That's what we're trying. I think that's what they were trying to show us. Rue still feels solemn to me. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you said that because sober Rue almost appears like she is maybe over, over protective. She always has a, right. She's like always on guard. Overcompensating almost. Not, not necessarily over, but it's like, Yes, maybe overcompensating. In moments, she's yeah. having to be, it's almost like when you have to be overly responsible and you don't want to be overly responsible <laughs> anymore, yeah. but you don't have any choice but to be. It's, so it's like, Soberu snatched your sister up. 
from smoking weed with people who she shouldn't be smoking weed with. Sober Rue was asking Jules at a party, like, are you sure you should be drinking? I thought we were going to be sober. Yeah. So it's like you're constantly having to pull people out of space. <laughs> right. Wow. So season one, Rue was a season two, Rue. Right. So it's like she's constantly having to pull people out of space. And she's like, I don't want to have to pull you out of space. I just want to live. So now that I have to pull you out of space, maybe if I numb myself, I don't have to pull you out of space. We can just be mm. in the space together. Because mm. she did seem like on edge. Yeah, yes. definitely. Sober on edge. And that's probably going back to like when they were medicating her for her anxiety. Mm-hmm. If I'm constantly on edge at least when I'm high I can relax right. but also like being a drug addict and then you're around alcohol and drugs all the time every time you step out your house because yeah. that's what your environment is yeah. like right. that's not safe yeah. that would give right. me anxiety even if I didn't have it <laughs> yeah but trying to not do something that I'm constantly being thrown into yeah. it's like an alcohol going to a bar exactly. kind of situation well, it's like yeah. Jewel she was like you're drinking why are you drinking and I'm just like but you just smoked a whole blunt you just smoked a whole blunt Jewel said I'm not drunk addict this that's not my qualms. <laughs> I know my limits. Okay. All right, guys. I have one more um, like rue euphoria question um, okay. for this conversation. Do you guys find an issue with Rue's help being black? And like her only the only being like the black presence in this show? Because mm. <sighs> mm. I thought I didn't feel a way. I don't even know if a way is a good descriptive word and I feel like a way is only a descriptive word that a select demographic can understand um but when we were watching the diner when I was watching that um extra episode and Ali went and talked to I don't know Miss Geraldine or whatever they <laughs> named the lady <laughs> the waitress that they were talking to and I was just like huh I find it interesting that all the people trying to help her were black well is she black or is she spicy white because her dad's white she's black she's her black. mom is her black dad white or is her Oh, in the show. Yeah. Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> in the show. I thought in real life, her mom is white, I think. That's yes. why. That You're right. Asking. You're okay. accurate. No. Rue. Not Zendaya. Um, I have had thoughts. I was like, why isn't anybody black in the show? And then I was like, do I want anybody black the in the show? <laughs> and Mikhail was, but he's not really a main character like that. Not, oh, I forgot. The football player. Yeah. yeah. And Ali and Zendaya are the only ones. But like I. But I, is, it in the, is it an indication of our culture? What do you mean? Like, uh, no, the fact public that school that they're going to. Is that it, what you mean? No, I'm referring to like having a representative from what stereotypical, what society views certain individuals. Like you have Caucasian, what seems to be semi upper class or middle class or whatever have you. You have, I guess I'm gonna call it spicy weight because I don't know what Maddie is. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems yeah. like she's of Hispanic yeah. background. She's, Latina, she's brown. Yeah. Um, and then you have Rue's character, who's... Rue is the character. I'm saying... Anyways, Zendaya's <laughs> character, Rue. <laughs> you know what the hell I meant. Um, being... Having a white father, black mother, and then you have Mikhail, who isn't a permanent character, I would say, but he's like what a lot of people would perceive an African-American male. He's athletic and he has to do this and he has to do this to be successful. You know what I'm saying? So I'm saying- He's not in this season though. He's not. Well, as far He was in the first episode at the party. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Sorry, that was the season. Okay. I was like, I'm not so, kidding. I mean, maybe it's an indication <laughs> of the stereotypes put on certain communities. Like this is what 
middle class white families look like and this is what you know what i'm saying it rang true to me i'm not even gonna lie like to me it's i have read and i've also watched five, five <laughs> that's so loud you can't even like talk around me <laughs> <laughs> start i'm gonna back up so i do in this in the special that's in between the two i know exactly what moment you're talking about and i felt the same exact way with regards to the way in which um the black um cast it was like oh oh wait a minute these are the these are the two and all pretty much only black characters we have besides one and it was something that i hadn't thought about until that really until that episode but mainly because i was going to say i feel like the relationships feel a little truer for my experience and the experience that i have noticed with um biracial children is that they will unless they are in some way like let's say church or something else connected to a black group or a white group in one way or another. There's no, never really a lot of, uh, there's, it's like, oh, at school it's one way and at church or somewhere else it's, it's a totally different way. And there's times where they choose because the worlds don't really collide as much, especially mm-hmm. when you at high school. They say like, yeah. there's even studies that have said like, once you <clears throat> high school, you start to try to really identify with, because of where we are in America with one race or another just for the ease of things because there's not a lot of cross-cultural... Um, there are not a lot of cross-cultural groups. There mm-hmm. are a few, but there's not a lot. And so then yeah. what I'm seeing is like, okay, yes, there are a bunch of white friends that she deals with in this way. Could her drug dealer have been white or black? Yes, but you know that's her only other outlet besides... At least, so it kind of rings true to me. Like if I would feel like if she was talking to um, a either um, yeah, if she was talking to a Jules that happened to be black, I feel like the cast would have to shift. It just wouldn't seem uh, real, real, like authentic. Yeah, authentic. <clears throat> so I definitely understand that there are black church scenes with Rue though. Is there? Okay, so then yeah, even like the last oh, yes, episode where right. she's yes, like really yes. high and she's like in the arms yeah. of someone, someone who's singing in the choir Wait, in a black yeah. church. Was she hallucinating? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I, I don't. I think that there's a an, a part in episode one where she's. I distinctly remember her in a church, and I don't remember if that's a hallucination or not. I don't think it is, but it might be a, an NA meeting. Yeah. No, that was in the very beginning when she. Yeah, it was when she was in rehab, and but she's there's also one where she's like reading a letter to her. Her mom's reading a letter to her, or she's reading yeah. a letter to her mom, and yeah. it's in a church yeah. setting also. Mm-hmm. So it's that's part of Rue's upbringing, it seems, in some way or another. But I don't, and I'm not trying to gatekeep blackness. That's not what I'm trying to do as a caveat, but. Rue doesn't seem like an inherently black character to me. Mm. Like, hmm. 
when okay. I think about like what we like think of like yeah. what blackness yeah. is usually portrayed as yeah. like rue is not yeah. i can see what you that I, usually yeah. is and so like it just to me it just that makes an, it worse for me oh there's mm-hmm. an element of like the show that d- d- it, it's definitely missing that i think mikhail is probably our strongest um probably like black character then but, there's the twins excuse me his brother's those are his I brothers. Don't think mm-hmm. I didn't know that those were his brothers. Yeah, remember the party? They were. He was like, "Go back upstairs." Oh, I don't oh. remember them being his brothers, but I do remember the twins because his her sister is affiliated with them. Yes. Right, right. But I don't. There's an element of me that's glad because of the way that the show is portrayed. Mm-hmm. I think because it is so sexualized, there's an element of me that is glad that there's less uh-huh. blackness. Uh-huh. That's not what I, I see that. Oh well, I I don't then rephrase your question, I guess. I guess I for me, it's not about there not being a black presence on the show. It's about the black pres- presence that there is. It, they're like... Um, saviorish. Saviorish and mm. like the help. Mm-hmm. If that's oh. what I mean. Not that I don't Sorry. necessarily care that there's not more black main characters for that same reason. Like there's a lot of stuff going on. So mm-hmm. if we can be separate from that. That's cool <laughs> with me. But... The fact that the one, the couple times that we are highlighted, it's like, oh, I'm the waitress that has been sober for 17 years, and let me help this. Well, I don't even remember helpless. her because it was that one episode that she was on, right? Yeah, or she, right. Yeah. She she was, yeah, no, no, that's it. That's, yeah, she was just in that. And that's one. her point. Like, yeah. you, when you're thinking I mean, about there's that's in total four that I can. Oh, five. Her mom. So yeah. like, oh, sorry. No, just I, the aspect of Ali. Is that who you're talking about being the savior? Yes. Yes. The aspect of Ali being a savior in the sense is different to me because he's not saving a white character. Mm. Oh. But you just like said you don't well. see. Rue being black. Yeah, but it's not like he's saving like the blonde haired, blue eyed, like damsel in distress. No, black, I just, like, yeah, somewhat like, like I don't, Jason identity. No, yeah. I feel like, to me, like Rue is just not, she's kind of like almost outside of all of that, if that makes so sense. You don't, so you see her as ambiguous. Like, I know she's not. Like, I know Rue but and Zendaya are not ambiguous right. characters, but like when I'm thinking about like, her in the context of the show in the context of like as a character I just like a race is not really assigned to her when I think about it in that sense because she's not really like if I had to give her anybody she's she's not like any black woman I've ever known coming like because even the simple fact of like her being out at parties all the time yeah. Minus the fact that she's an actual drug addict, right? But like the fact that her mom doesn't know where she is, or she's just like out all that the part. time, like is not even reality in terms of like her being a black girl growing up to yep. me. So yes. like because of that, I don't then assign her to being white. I just like she's like outside of the realm of race because <laughs> it just doesn't seem realistic to me in that sense. Okay, so Rue was Cassie, and Ali was her sponsor. Would I it, would probably have yes. a con, yep. a con okay. what is it, complex about that. Okay. Mm. Right. I will say I noticed it, but it didn't, what you're referring to with regards to him being kind of savorish and the other black lady also doing that. It peaked in my mind, but it, I think even uh, with what Tiff is saying is with regards to having not really... I didn't think about. I, I honestly didn't even think about her race until that moment. Same. Like I was watching it and I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." She's because she doesn't. 
she has a black mom, which is weird to even say because we see her black mom more than we see I live. It wasn't until that moment that that. But we cool. don't in season two. Can I interject? Her mom is very scarce. And yeah. say that the actress that is her mom had to come on Twitter yes. and be like, "Stop DMing me. I'm not Ruth's mom. I know where she is." Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that. But I also because um, I feel the same way. I didn't even it didn't even give me like a hmm until I saw that yeah. special episode. But also this season made me think like, where is her mama? Like we har- we we hardly have seen her mom and her sister this whole season. I ask it multiple times an episode, but I also feel like because Rue doesn't like I can't relate to Rue in terms of mm. being a black girl growing up in high school. Like I just Same. don't see myself in I her. I can't relate none of these things. Yeah, so I feel like that is like part of what like even like what is that episode when like Cassie was trying to get Nate's attention in school and she comes to school with baby hairs and I was like why the fuck did she come to school with baby hairs and then he had, Patrick had to be like it's because she's trying to dress like like Maddie and I was yeah. like oh that is Maddie oh, that does that yeah. like it was like it blew my mind because to me that's black girl yeah. shit you know what I mean but Latina you know yes. what I mean so yeah. Rue doesn't have any inherent characteristics that perform race to me Mm -hmm. it's like her character is the drug addict and her being more like less binary in terms of gender and so because of like those things I feel like her performing race in the same way that people perform gender isn't a focal point Okay. Which is why I think they even chose her as an actress. I think that they or chose her and dressed her the way that they did. Mm. Like, Or did she culture- choose herself? Because she's an executive producer. <laughs> she's like, that's me. Uh, but ha- was she executive producer season yeah. one? Oh, I thought it was both. I, no, I, I just, I I just I only, re- I knew it for sure for season two. I don't remember it being a thing in season one. I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I, I assume because of season two that it had to happen in season one, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know either. But I did. I agree with you that um, her, how she looks and how she dresses very much so that a lot of people can identify with her versus a Cassie or a Maddie or a Nate or whatever, where it's very clear on who mm-hmm. they are. Right. Um, Rue is very... I think she blurs a lot of lines Mm -hmm. and I think that's they did I do agree that that's probably is on purpose and maybe even more so in season two Mm. so that because like as you guys were saying earlier it's like we're seeing a lot of different people in her one character or in a couple characters which is why a lot of this is like chaotic (laughs) (laughs) but because she has to be a lot of different people in one person she's so it's like again like the blurred lines are a lot happening there but All right. Did you feel anything about... That was an interesting question. No. No. Just because I agree with Tiffany. I feel like there's so much... um, I feel like, to be honest with you, when I watch a show, it was never... She's black. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You say you never felt that or you never acknowledged that? Like, I never acknowledged that. I never watched it thinking, okay... I guess I never saw it from a racial standpoint, which is, and it, maybe it's because I'm a little desensitized because we, hmm. as a culture, just tack on that to everything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, I, you walk in this world where like, there's black and then there's white. Mm-hmm. There's, you know what I'm saying? So I guess in watching this show, I never looked at it from the standpoint of she's a black girl in this middle class society. Like, I never looked at it like that. I was like, oh, she's... 
strung out on drugs. <laughs> yeah. I, again, it really only triggered me, not triggered me, but it was only like a aha moment in that one scene. Yeah. Because I think that's probably the only time where... In the scene with it. Sorry, can you clarify the scene? The scene with her in the diner with Ali and Ali turning to the other black Ms. waitress. Miss Marsha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. I apologize for calling you Geraldine. <sighs> earlier mm. she did look like a girl <laughs> or like a um i don't know like a typical old just, black just lady <laughs> just it's okay <laughs> just move on. no like, maybe she maybe she could have been like uh see nicole's gonna keep going yeah. uh-huh, like miss virginia or something you know <sighs> <laughs> that's what we're gonna do Hmm. I mean, you brought it up. No, I didn't. Nicole, you I mean, did. You yeah, gave, moved on. You gave Nicole the green light and she chose violence. <laughs> I just said Nicole's going to keep going. After you had pushed the button, Nicole decided to keep it going. It was dead. Don't sip your whatever you got in that cup. All right, y'all. It's time for a meme of the week. Meme of the week. Meme of the week. Okay. So this comes from I'm Just Eden and it says, I hate when people be like, stop, you're better than this. No, I'm not. This is me. Y'all ever feel like that? People are like, no, you you rise above. When they go low, we go high. And you're like, no, when they go low, we go lower. My family tells me that all the time, which is why I chose violence. Actually, not surprised. Goodness gracious. No one at this table is surprised. No. Nope. No. If anyone's going to be choose violence, it's going to be you. At all times. I mean, mm. I mean, given the last moment that just happened, yes. violence. I was hoping that got cut out, but it's no. <laughs> <We're keeping laughs> it. <laughs> just don't try me, because I might cut you. The thing is, I didn't try you. That's, what, <laughs> that's the thing. I'm just saying, like, I didn't try you. This is for someone I love. Don't be oh. the person I don't. Wow. Oh. Not the look of the camera. Wow. Right. Okay. Let's let's stop before you get end up on charges. Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, I feel like that when I see those memes that are like, don't forget to rest. Like, you've worked hard enough. And it's like, bitch, no, I didn't. I nap. (laughs) So you want me to nap from this rest that I just had? Stop telling me to rest. I need motivation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a a, a hard thing to be the nonviolent. And you don't know my bottom line yet. You don't know. (laughs) You're telling me to rise above. Maybe this is exactly where I'm at. (laughs) This is where I'm going to be. Not it's hard to be (laughs) nonviolent. Maybe this is the the above for me. (laughs) It's okay. You don't know how low I'll go. (laughs) That's like, how low can you go? Can you go to how low? All the way to the floor. Nicole's like, I'm already at the floor. So, (laughs) what do you got for me? Nicole's in the basement. Not really. I can get lower. Gotta. Okay, what's gotta, your answer gotta. to the meme of the week? Um, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I, I feel threatened in this moment, um, and I just kind of want to move on to something different. I feel uncomfortable. Don't be. Right, you know, you sweating. Yeah, like, I want you to come out to study or something. I don't know. I don't like it. Oof. All right. It's on you, Nicole. Oh, oh, okay. It's time for after shade. <laughs> I mean, that's like, all that's left. Would you like to kick you, us off? You need to see it. Swirl your drink a couple more times. Come for you. Well, la- now it's time for after shade. Yay. <laughs> Where's the single class? <laughs> you know what? I didn't even have nothing. Are you going to start it? Um. Okay, so yes, I, I will spot you in. But... <laughs> so many questions. 
All right. So Afro shade. Um, <clears throat> I would say whomever you choose to be in life, be that person to the best of your ability. That was so yeah. lackluster. <laughs> sure. Okay, size. Okay. I mean, don't great. say that. Sorry, sorry. Isn't that the point? <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I loved it. <laughs> so enlightening. I feel motivated for the week. <laughs> Whoever you want to be in life, be that. <laughs> Not to the best of your ability. Don't wow. forget that part. <sighs> so you're never going first again. <laughs> Is that right? No, I'm just not going to use your phone. (laughs) Did you steal her notes? (laughs) No, there are no notes. Tiffany's going to be like, "Well, that was mine." (laughs) 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 Go ahead, Tiffany. Who's next? Okay, um, I guess (laughs) unless you have no. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, (laughs) are you not ready? I need a minute. Okay, I can go. Okay, I thought ahead. you just were ready. No, I'm not. Um, I'm just going to piggyback on the after shade I gave earlier because that was the best I had <laughs> in this moment. I'm impressed you remember it. Uh, I'm trying. That's no. I was thinking first. <laughs> so I can collect my thoughts. And y'all can't, need to go? Wait a minute. And y'all can't tell me? No, because at least mine made sense. That's um, did make sense. You don't remember it. How do you know yeah, it? No, I remember it making sense in that moment okay. for sure. Okay. okay, it is that... Um, I'm going to piggyback off of what I said earlier and what Tiffany said, that however you're feeling right now is is not how it's going to feel forever. So um, it may be a dark cloud. You might feel like this is the worst you're ever going to feel, especially I would say if you're... Um, I'm speaking specifically to our younger audience and those in the euphoria characters um, age group, mm. <laughs> not the real life actors. But um, how you're feeling right now is not how you're going to feel forever. There is definitely light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I think in, when you're in a moment, you kind of feel like it can't get lower than this. Forgetting that this is probably not the first time that you've gone through something hard and you came out on top. So, and there's not, you're not just going to be at the top one time. We're constantly mm. evolving, we're constantly changing, and you're going to constantly be better than you were before. Um, this little time that you're feeling bad is not a forever moment. And so I would just encourage you to be encouraged that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, things are going to get better, and um, your situation right now is not permanent. Oh, so that nice. was good. I'm kind of mad because that's what I was trying to get to when you were like, oh, is it? That was okay. Should have went. <laughs> I should have. Okay, but <clears throat> now I'll go because I'd hate to go after Saya. <laughs> Reverend <Wow>. Doctor <laughs> Saya Strokes. I will be the professional after shadist. Um, okay, I, my affirmation is going to be to give yourself grace. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like everyone to acknowledge and remember that regardless of where you are in life I feel like it's easy to judge yourself engage yourself and negatively and say that you could mm-hmm. do better and that you should be better um Rue really saying that she's a bad person really hit me hard because she's so young mm-hmm. and hasn't done anything irreparable that's fine <laughs> <laughs> other people i feel like the most damage that she does is to her own self yeah, so to yeah. say that she's a bad person like really hurts me to hear because yeah. i just feel like every day that you wake up you get to decide who you're gonna be mm-hmm. how you're gonna be and 
um, choose your actions from there. And every day is a fresh start. And I want that to resonate with our listeners, regardless of your age, regardless of where you are. I feel like it's easy to forget that. It's easy to think Mm. that the mistakes that you've made or decisions that you've made that you may have learned from now um, and may have may make a different decision feel like you were bad or like you made the wrong decision, but it you can always make different decisions starting from now. Yeah. So that's what I want to leave you with. And that's what I hope that you carry through your day. That was good. I like that. Yeah. I mean, that was, start. Thank you. It's great segue for me as well. Cause that's where I'm going. I'm staying in the well, Ali episode um, with that episode with Rue um, in between season one and two was really powerful. And I was, kept telling everybody I was like please watch it please watch it because I really wanted to touch on it because it it really hit home as soon as I started watching it and I think um my for me my takeaway not only for is for our listeners but also for myself um I wanted to say that uh I believe in you and everybody and that you are forgiven like those are the two things that from that episode that I like really resonated with me with uh, with regards to how Rue is really struggling with her own self. And, and it wasn't as if she was is experiencing something none of us have experienced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think sure. that that's why it really hit home for me. I mean, it just made me feel like I wanted to say not only to myself, but to others that like you're not who some line, some arbitrary line you set up in your past. That is not who you are. Who you are now is who... You should be in where you where you need where you need to be at, um, and that you're forgiven. You know what? There's mm-hmm. no one. I will be honest. I cannot forgive any of us in the ways in which really probably should be forgiven. But I would you know try to do my best. But I think we're all human. We have to put our own borders up. But know that you are forgiven. Mm-hmm. Like there is nothing beyond what you were experiencing that you cannot be forgiven or have experienced that you cannot be forgiven for. And I hope that our listeners remember that. Don't forget that. I think it's important. Um, I think for all of us, we as being believers, though that we have somebody we can turn to as, who has lived as, uh, lived and died as an example for us to be forgiven. But mm-hmm. I think and that for us makes it maybe a little bit easier because we know who we can go to. Right. You know, we look yeah, to Lord. Jesus because we know he, he can do that. And that's something that we've grown up hearing. But for those who haven't heard that or who do not look to Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, um, no, you are. You yeah. are forgiven. You know, um, it, there's nothing that you've done that is beyond forgiveness, as Ali put it. There's nothing that you've done. It's too easy to say that and too hard to say that, too, on yourself. That You really are able to get to a place where where it's better than it is today and yeah. better than it has been in the past. That's, that's always possible always possible there's nothing that's done that has been done that cannot be forgiven and i don't want anybody to walk throughout this next couple of weeks feeling like that's the case maybe hard but as uh miss marcia said that's she was also gonna be my little my little um song of the week um when she says uh there's gonna be oh what was it called uh trouble don't last always that was gonna be my song Yes. You know, she said her grandma said trouble don't last always. And so there's nothing that you can't be cannot be forgiven for. And there's nothing that I don't believe in myself or anybody else in this room to be able to have, uh, get beyond that, that has been in their past. There may be a hung up hang up of theirs or something that you feel like you just can't overcome. Trust me, I believe that you can. 
and that you've been forgiven for whatever has happened. I do want to say before we close, Saya, I really appreciate your spark notes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I've been looking at yes. this like, the whole time. I was looking at reading because the sex is so small. I'm like, dang, am I getting old? <clears throat> no, it's really small. Yeah. But, yeah, I tried to come prepare. I... Euphoria, you when y'all said, yes, when y'all said Euphoria, I was like, oh, let me go back because I have notes. <laughs> now I got notes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, this is a good time. I enjoy spending time with each of you. Yes. Likewise. <laughs> shady ass. Yes. Right. This was a good others. episode, though. I'm glad we did it. Same. I hope yeah, you guys same. are out there enjoying Euphoria just like we are. Yeah. yeah. Next yeah. episode, we're going to do Cat. Fright or Frightened. Dad. Oh, yes. Yes. Or, fright or not next episode, next episode on Euphoria. I don't know yes. what we're doing. Yes. yes. Just to be clear. Like, I need a break a, from all the drug usage. We might need to wait until the season is over before we get into him. Yes. Yeah, let us know if y'all are watching Euphoria. We can talk about it in the comments. Yeah, or anything else you guys thought we brought up that you might want to delve deep into. Come on, write to us. Uh, email us at wku. <laughs> Together, together at, at gmail.com. Gmail. I got it. I got it's it. It's our bio, time. too. So yes. Oh yes. Just add us <laughs> on Instagram. I don't know. Yeah, please. <laughs> Slide my DMs respectfully. Respectfully. Yes. Bye-b